You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I got some in there. I thought that was uh, pretty cool. And that's the beginning of what? The novel called The Demiurge. The Demiurge. Which is a fundamental, an elemental, it's variously defined. It's uh, Maybe we shouldn't get into it. I don't know. You what? guys probably know the term Demiurge. That's what? A what? Well, they used it later. It was used uh, by Plato as the creator of the forms. But then uh, later, amongst scholiasts in the Middle Ages, it was uh, a demon, an elemental. But mine is going to be what it's going to be. I'm not sure I can explain that yet. Uh, you kind of infer it, but it's, it would be hard to define. Yeah. Uh, what, what else can you say about the book in it without giving away too much? Oh, God, I, can't, I really can't say anything about it without giving it away at all it's uh ultimately well his his final entry into humankind is with a uh, biker gang he meets uh a traveling (laughs) (laughs) uh, he meets uh, an itinerant traveling english teacher uh and i don't know i mean it's just it's too much to say there's a lot of biology there. I mean, I, it's funny, I, the way you were describing the... Uh, I've been, I was re- recently reading this thing about um, uh, Gary Snatter, where he was talking about the joy of uh, the chain of life and eating and being eaten and how that's a, uh, this wonderful repatterning. It's this kind of thing. And he, he was talking about the, the, uh, the Longfellow, is it Longfellow? No, Tennyson thing of uh, nature red and tooth and claw right. was actually a narrow reading of what was going on that actually was much more uh, of a joyous thing, which I got right. from your thing. Right. That's, that's sort of what I got. No, it's a celebration of life or so intended yeah. anyway. Yeah. It is. So what do you think, Michael? You're the doctor. It was wonderful, yeah. Huh? Yeah, huh? what do I think about this? Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. What can you say? It's just a little piece. I'm sorry, it's the only thing I had going that was new, so, you know. Oh, no, I can, I can it, picture a whole vista's opening up. For you. Oh, they do. really have excellent uh, Yeah, they do. He rules the Bay Area at the end of the first volume. <laughs> <laughs> but he still doesn't entirely understand language. Can't do no worse. No. If I was king, I'd be king here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you finished the book then? Is it complete, or are you still working on it? I'm only about 100 pages into it. Yeah, it'll get done. But you won't see it soon, I don't imagine. <laughs> Somebody's got to buy it next. <laughs> so, Michael, what are you working on? Uh, Michael meeting Blumland. I'll call Michael Shea. <laughs> this is the night of the Michaels. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. When I went when I went to college, when I when I was growing up, and I bet I wonder if it, I was Mike, and then um, when I went to college, I kind of became Michael, sort of. I did in high school. Yeah, same around around thing. that time, and uh, and I didn't know any other Michaels when I was growing up. It wasn't that common a name, at least where I was. 
And when I got to college in my first year, we were, we were all smoking pot one night in a dorm room, and the room was packed with people, and there were like eight Michaels. And, and so everyone was saying, Michael, Michael. <laughs> it was funny. Sounds um, like pretty good dope. <laughs> I was a dope. I was a dope. <laughs> Um, well, I just finished this, so I, you know, I finished this like two days ago, as you know. So you say, yeah, but you don't usually work like that. So it was sort of a goof; it just kind of came to you, and well, well, I, you know, I've been working on a novel forever, but it doesn't feel like it wants to get written. So I'm trying to, you know, uh, I, I don't see where this novel is going, so I had to do something else, and this, this might actually turn into something longer. Because this, what I the part I read is the first half, and then the, the second half of the story kind of finishes it. But it's only one finish to it, so I could easily imagine others, and have to sort of see whether I want to be with it as long as a novel. We takes. were just talking in the restaurant about how the novella. I don't know if you guys have found the same. Is is really the natural form, the natural length of. A fantastic fiction, huh. and then you know, and then novellas do turn into novels. But uh, but you know, 100, 150 pages, you know, the best stuff you get down in men. I find it. What do you guys think? That's a great. I, I, I I've never heard anyone say that. Shitload of writers out here. What do you think? Raise your hand if you like novellas. Yeah. Uh, yay! <laughs> okay, we got to bring it back. Bring back the double novel, you know, with two novellas in it. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, the pressure is to write books now, and so I mean, I've certainly felt that pressure. No, wait. Like the pressure—the pressure—it's not a pressure to write books. It's a pressure to write long books because the novella. So is you a can book. get money for them. See, yeah. you can't get any more money for a novella than for a long short story, right? The, the, right. What we got to do is create a novel-paying market for novellas, say double books or collections of them. It's the natural length for fantastic fiction, I think. That's really interesting. I guess sure. Lovecraft wrote that way. Huh? He can't, yeah, he did. Yeah. P.S. Publishing. I'm sure you, you've done work with them, right? I know. No, I know I know of them, but I've not had. Yeah, no, Crowther's Crow Crow great. I've, I've uh, got a couple of books with him, you know. But, uh, yeah, are we talking about publishing again? I always hate this, but it's kind of interesting. Crowther's, uh, Crowther does a beautiful job. Uh, he'll publish a 120 or 140 page book, which I think is a great length for a book. I call that a book, you know, a novella. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the problem is that he only publishes like 500 copies. So in a sense, it's like throwing it down a hole. It doesn't, go, uh, you know, it only goes to people who already know who you're, yeah. Why are so few novellas being published? Because they can charge more for a novel, enough to make it, you know, worth their while to publish them. So that it seems to me that you got to create a novella market, maybe you know, a dual novellas or something like that, so you have enough bulk to charge a book price for it. I know. I personally, when I'm reading something, I, if I'm in a mood, if I'm going to read a book, some it, it often takes me a little while to get into the book. You know, 10, 15, 20 pages to to get into it. If I'm reading a novella, that novella has to, you know, then I'm halfway through that novella, or, or you know, or, or part, or part of the way. I'm sorry. Yeah, you read that pretty fast. And not if it's intense. See? If it's intense, like yeah. this, 
this is dense. You know, you're not going to rush through this. You're going to sort of savor something like Michael you, just you read. You treat the form like a novel. You know, you load it. And so, you know, right. Not, it would be a different kind of writing. Yeah. yeah. Write it under a heavier gravity, you know. Well, I mean, the, the original form of the, the science fiction was the short story, and then, as you say, the novella also. I mean, and then, well, Niftaline was is a fix-up, right? It's, it's a it, bunch of novellas. Yeah. Uh, the last book I did with Jacob, uh, uh, Numbers Don't Lie, was three novellas put together mm -hmm. into a novel. And I've always, like you, I've always resented the fact that, uh, that, uh, that publishing is dominated by these 800 yeah, these porkers, that, man, yeah. and a lot of them are air. Yeah. A lot of them are air, right? But this is not a new development. If you look at the beginnings of the novel, the beginnings of the novel are, uh, you know, uh, Vanity Fair's not a short book. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, certainly, uh, Sir Walter Scott didn't write short books. People wrote... Neither did the great Dickens. Yeah, so and people... they were in every page. People uh, wanted something they could disappear in for a week or so, I think. And so, I mean, I don't know. What do you all think? Exactly right. Pickwick That's papers true came too. Out in yeah. 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 We all get paid by the word. Yeah, but not for novels. They get best paid by the word for novels. Yeah. 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 Huh? Oh yeah, Tales of the City. Yeah. What? That was. What are you saying? It was a serial. Tales of the City was a serial. Yeah. I didn't know that. In the Chronicle. <laughs> That's super there cool. I never knew that. There was a time when the Chronicle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a time. Huh. Wow. Well, the New York Times Magazine is doing it now. They have this weird kind of thing, you know. But it's funny to me. It, it's Everything's kind of turned around. It, you know, I thought... Uh, now, science fiction and fantasy, fantasy in particular, is dominated by the huge, big yeah. book. And then... Uh, the dirigible. Yeah, the, the short stuff. I mean, there is little, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's like Paul Auster, who, I, you know, I always wanted to be Calvino, you know, I wanted to write these little... Uh, Italo Calvino? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These little short things. Yep. But uh, there's, it's like you say, there's no market for it, you know. Um, well, the market's being restructured, you know, by the, the internet, and you know, maybe somebody will get the message. Well, also, the uh, novella is perfect length to be adapted into a movie, much more yeah. right. than a novel. It's essentially a screenplay, is what it is, in prose. Yeah. Why didn't we ever think of that? Selling our stuff to movies. There's a lot of money in that. <laughs> no. That's oh, what they tell us. It was no money. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, movies, uh, you know, they never make movies out of novels. They make them out of novels or short stories. That's true. You can't fit a whole novel into a movie. It's just, you know, it's not enough. It's too much story. Well, let me ask the question. Now, when you also, uh, do you see a novella as closer to the short story or to... Um, the novel because it seems to me like the the like the thing you just read now that that does not have a short story beginning to it right. that's that uh, you know it's sort of a a uh there's not you know it's, it doesn't start in media race it doesn't it starts with kind of an overview and then it comes right. down on things at the same your starts right in the middle your starts in a even though it may end up being longer it it feels like short fiction right 
the gas, the fan well, gas. Well, for this here. one, like I, th I thought I, when I wrote this, I thought I was going to be able to read this all tonight, and I was shocked to find that I, I went, I read much longer than I ever read, and I still only read half of it. And the reason is because the last thing I, r I wrote was a novella, and this seemed like a, a little brief. <laughs> uh. This seemed like those quickies, you know, like a page. Well, pace is everything. It's it's the rate at which you have event unfold, you know, the density of event. It's just you set the pace and people will read it, you know, pace it and they will come and you can pace it any way you want to. <coughs> Aim for 150 words, you know, it'll come out perfect. Yeah, but what's pace? I mean, I mean, with your thing, you're talking about, you know, uh, little animals for you know they for it seems like it seemed to me like you started you're talking about centuries but consider the acceleration that will occur when he masters some language the acceleration occurs when he when he sees the highway and then all of a sudden everything right. falls up to it's it's all happening in two or three minutes you know which had happened over years so the pace seems very variable yeah it's convergent right well the pace in yours seemed uh, uh, Constant. Maybe that's a way you define a short story. You, well, I don't know. I never thought yeah. about that. But yours didn't. Yours s s ran at one speed. It would start. Each scene ran at pretty much the same speed. Now you did a thing. Uh, the last thing you did for SNF, fantasy and science fiction, which I absolutely love. The thing called the Roberts. Did anybody read that? Of course not. Nobody reads uh, fantasy and science fiction. <laughs> but. Um, uh, this is a story that covered like um, 20 years in a page and a half. It read like cover copy. It, it read like a, a, a New Yorker precis of a novel. You know, this is about a guy who discovered that he was lonely when he was 30 years old, so he did this and he did, you know, he never, you know, which I thought was a very interesting way to, why did you do that? Was it hard? Was it fun? Are you glad or do you regret I had so it? much fun writing that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it liberated me. And I, th I find myself, you know, I f I, my natural voice is, a short, is, a sh is, is the shorter form. And that was, you think? was like short stories and in this case a little longer than that. But I feel the pressure to write something longer. And so um, this was a great liberation for me, that, that particular story, because... Um, what, book, I what books? That. There's so many books. I mean, you you had commented about that story that you you felt that was very kind of bold and experimental. That I I started off with like eight pages of narrative with no dialogue with no dialogue. But that's just so not true. There's no so scenes. many wonderful books that 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 are all narrative. No, and, like what? Well, you can't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> You're the. You don't necessarily get an answer. No, come on. <laughs> These days, Kaf well, most of Kafka is pure narrative. Thank you, Michael. That's true. And you read there's, and read. There's Proust. Look at Proust. Jesus, <laughs> you're dying for dialogue after about 150 pages. <laughs> but man, I read to that first 150 pages, you know, straight on through. Huh? Thinking of Swan's Way. I, I didn't make it through all eight volumes, but man, I, <laughs> I read Swan's Way twice. <laughs> all right. Well, but of. It seems like the modern paradigm is, uh, you know, is scene-oriented. Right. Uh, Movie. Yeah. And if yeah. there's no dialogue, it's felt that there's something wrong, right? Yeah. 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 There's something wrong. It's it's you're not, 
you know, you're, you're, you're writing scenes. But I think if you go back older, and I know many people said that, but people told stories. And, and when you tell stories, there's not necessarily a lot of dialogue. You know? Look you at Homer, yeah. Yeah, there, you there say, what happened? Quotes, yeah. you, you, it's like they, a historical... People want dialogue because it's real time, right? That when somebody's talking, the narrative has put you in real time. And, and everybody has a feeling, there's a consensus Grounded, that... Yeah. yeah, that this now we're in reality. While somebody's giving an utterance, they're in the same time in which I am thinking. Yeah. But, you know... I mean, you always end up with dialogue. I don't think that's what rules it. It's what you got happening, you know? I mean... I think that's so true. About Grace there. Does anyone know that book, About Grace? Who wrote it? Um, Michael Dore, I think. Well, the title is About Anyway, amazing. And hardly well, any dialogue, and it's very... Anyway, huh. great book. Well, like, what about short shorts? How many people... I mean, I can't write a short story that's less than 40 pages. In fact, it... They all come in between 35 and 42. And I don't know, do you guys write short shorts? I mean, is there any satisfaction in that? Yeah? Yeah. Or, uh, three, four page paper, uh, you, you know, like O. Henry. You know what's satisfying to that is for readings. I started writing really short ones when I, for readings, because it's fun to read a whole piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. that was the impetus, you know, that was Top the motive. Top to bottom, right. But yeah. yeah. There's a lot of online markets that want really short stuff, because if you're reading something on a web page, Right. Your back gets sore. Yeah, you either want to print it out and read it, you know, for the lunch or something, yeah. or you want to read a thousand words or two thousand words tops. Yeah, I've I've done a lot of short shorts. They tend to be uh, mine tend to be all dialogue. So it's the opposite. I've of read your right. yeah, Billy, the they'll Billy be, series. Yeah, I like those. Those are short shorts. Yeah, I like I yeah, like from uh, PS Publishing. <laughs> yeah, actually they're coming out from PS Publishing. <laughs> but uh yeah, I don't, and then there's this whole thing called flash fiction, which I think is bullshit. It's just you know, it, it's you know, I don't know. I've never seen uh, a flash fiction, fiction. huh? TV fiction, right? Yeah. You need something you can crawl into. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be room for you there. You've got to spend some time in it, or you're not in it. It's got to come to feel like your experience. Well, uh, I think a lot depends on what gives you pleasure, you know. And for us, for, for Michael and for me, there's a lot of pleasure in crawling into something and damn right, and just <laughs> getting into it over days or weeks. And I mean, what was the greatest pleasure? I just, you know, reading the Patrick O'Brien twenty-volume oh, set. Oh, read them all. Yeah. And yeah, what's, yeah. you know, that's just endless pleasure. It is. But, uh, yeah. but I don't, you know, there's a. I don't think everybody, particularly these days, gets pleasure in that. They get pleasure in a lot of. You know, let's. What's next, man? I'm sorry. What's next? What's next? Sorry. You know? Speed it up, John. I just discovered Ruth Rendell. Right? That's enough from you. Now, does someone else have? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if anybody really wants short shorts. I don't know. I don't. Uh, people. There's different kinds of reading. You know, it's not really reading for some people. It has to be long. Right. Yeah. 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 Not always. I mean, there's like the uh, there's a lot of stuff that's that seems to me similar to Lovecraft's prose poems. That's like you know four pages, and they they throw you into an image, and if it's a really good, interesting image, that'll stick with you. But it's like an appetizer. I mean, it's not like a whole meal. Yeah. Now you were. Yeah. Now you were very much influenced by uh, 
Lovecraft? Is that, or is that bullshit? No, I like Lovecraft a lot, and I like using his frameworks a great deal. In fact, I got a collection coming out from, uh, uh, well, maybe from uh, Arkham House. It's all Lovecraft. Last uh, everything I've been doing new in the last year or so, when I have time off from work, is Lovecraft. It's a seven-story series set in Frisco, in fact. Um, but no, as a stylist, no, I like uh, Jack Vance got me started in the genres. Yeah, I understood that. Right. I like uh, I like I like majestic honeycomb chambered prose. I like Edward Gibbon. Uh, I like Proust. You know, you know what I'm saying? Hell, I don't read French. <laughs> Neither do I. Thank God for F. Scott Moncrieff who translated it all. Uh, I can read French, but I can't read. Proust but given, yeah, yeah. I, but uh, so uh, so Nifty was based on Vance. No, I can't say that. No, no. Uh, well, I wrote a sequel to Vance and Symbolis. That was an homage to Jack. Now, did he have anything to do with I that? I wrote him, and I said, well, I wrote it, and then I wrote him, and I said, I've taken the liberty, dear Mr. Vance, I've taken the liberty of expressing my admiration for your work by writing a sequel to The Eyes of the Overworld. Oh, if my you'll, God. If you'll help, yeah, get this. <laughs> if you'll be so kind as to help me publish it, we'll split the tape, right? <laughs> I was young. And <laughs> but Jack Vance, great man that he was, he wrote back very kindly and said, his first line was, <laughs> Dear Mr. Shea, I'm trifle flummoxed by your proposal. <laughs> but, uh, but I have absolutely no objection to, to your publishing it yourself. Uh, uh, but I don't want to read it because I haven't finished with Cudgel the Clever. <laughs> and indeed he wasn't, and later he wrote a couple more. Huh. He was just Jack Vance's uh, an ace. But uh, I'd already been inf been influenced by many other writers by the time I did Because it, it, it struck me as more as Moorcock. That was what I... Mervyn you know, I never Beach. read Moorcock. Oh, Mervyn interesting. Beach, huh? Mervyn Beach? No, I, I hadn't read any of the actual yeah, current yeah. writers. Dickens is a big source for me. Yeah. He does a lot of sword play. Yeah, well, it's more the... <laughs> it's more the antic attitude towards your characters, you know. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Now, what's your favorite Dickens novel? Oh, God, it's hard to... Bleak House, uh, David Copperfield, uh, our loom largest, but oh. I've read them all. I haven't read Little Dorrit yet. I'm it's saving that. Mutual friend for me. I haven't read our mutual friend. Yeah. It's, 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 all, it's all good. It's all good. That's right. It's all great. Now, Rick just got through interviewing uh, Salman Rushdie, who I think is the modern Dickens. I really? Think, I haven't uh, read him yet. I mean, I think... Um, no. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. Way in the back. Who said, Cheryl? I was just concurring that the Encounters of Florence is, is a great fun novel. You're concurring that what? That the Encounters of Florence is a great fun novel. Oh, cool. All right. A great non-novel. Fun. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, fantasy. And is that Rusty? Yeah. Uh -huh. His new novel. The Enchantress of Florence. What's the What's the period? Ah, great age for Florence. So you don't see yourself as a short story writer primarily. Um, no, you work in longer forms. Uh, I spend a lot of time in longer forms. Yeah. I finish short stories. 
<laughs> yeah, they're for that's Do you have a lot of, do you have unfinished novels out there? Uh, I have one with Tor, uh, which may be in the home stretch, I don't know. That uh, you didn't finish? No, I finished it. Oh. They, they, they're, they're not did finished. some edits. No, I have a lot of finished stuff, actually. But it's, uh, I haven't placed it. I haven't seen it out much, either. No, I, I have a lot of longer works, yeah. Now, how do you work on a um, computer? Yeah, now I do. <clears throat> I write it longhand, and then I type it in the computer. Well, you do longhand first. Yeah. Huh. Can't seem so, to get away from that. Some people still do that. Stan Robinson does. Not anymore, I don't. He doesn't? He has he quit doing it? Yeah. I think so. Huh. Interesting. I write it all along him. Interesting. And what about you? You you are feel fairly congenial with the short story. You have a short one short story collection out and another one ready to go, right? Ready to go. Yeah. I don't yeah, but no, I don't have a publisher for it at this point. But uh it's not I haven't really asked too much. What's it called? I don't know yet. <laughs> good answer. Okay. That's the hard, that's the fun part. That's the fun part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would always go to to Michael Schaefer titles. I mean, anybody could, could call a uh, novella Grolium, you know. <laughs> Grunt, Grunt 12 Test Drive is my favorite title. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Ted Mooney once said the the. The title is the target toward which you shoot the arrow of the story. I always sort of like that. Hmm. And, uh, sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes it happens that way. Right. But, uh, you know, not always. Yeah, usually you write the story or almost all of it first. Not always. Well, Actually, the, the novel I've been struggling with, it started with the title, and I can't do justice to the title. What's the title? The title is The Last Diet Book You'll Ever Need. <laughs> Great title. I like, I like that. There you go. You have shelving problems. No, I've just come up with so much stuff, but I sometimes it's nonfiction, sometimes it's fiction, and and uh, you know sometimes it gets really wild, and sometimes it's very heartfelt, like I'm actually giving this advice, and sometimes I'm just laughing up, you know, and so I just can't. Anyway, this. It's shackled me having this title. You'll come back to it. Yeah, I think I think I, I think I will. Well, let me ask a, another um, a question, uh, which is about horror. I think both of you kind of uh, well, you 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 both work in that genre to some extent. You you are not considered in that, but I think I think that that's definitely an aspect. Not like you had a horror story going there. See, that, I, I, did any, who thought that was horror? We don't know yet. No, but you know what you heard, what you heard. Well, some people thought it was. Wow. Okay, and, wh and what, why? Because this always amazes me, because to me that wasn't horror. Okay, uh, so it was ominous. Give me a B. Give me an O. Give me an N. Come on. Bones? Just because it's so ga graphic or something? It was, it was macabre. You know, I mean, it was hmm. kind of getting in where we want to peek in the crematory. I know? see. So you're telling us it's not a horror story? It's not a horror story. Yeah. Oh, shush, shush. 
So I'm being a little disingenuous, but um, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, stuff doesn't horrify me the same way, although this is kind of creepy to me. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Rhea. I have a question. Um, where did the idea for that story come from for you, for your work, well, Michael Blumler? Because mm -hmm. um, I'm listening to it, and I thought definitely it was horror because I had a, a, a friend that I'm no longer in touch with who stated in passing that, and his father knew about this, I don't know that he could have done anything about it, but his stated intention when his father died was to have the body rendered down through just the skeleton and have it displayed in his office at work. And as like a test, you see, when his cat died after many years, he took the cat to the, um, the Academy of um, Sciences in Golden Gate Park and they did the whole thing with rendered down to the bones, mounted, and all that sort of stuff. And I was just like, you are a sick, sick man. And, he, and I was good with him. Wow. Well, I, I say you do have a sick mind. <laughs> well, why did somebody, I mean, I mean, you hear, stories have a, a, was that a science fiction story? Was it a fantasy story? Was it, I mean, it had a tone to it. To me, I would say it had a, a, a science fictional tone, but the tone of science fiction that is, uh, sneakily introducing a fantasy element when you start talking. Uh, so it sounds a little, a little like, uh, you know, kind of Stephen King, where it's very quotidian, very normal everyday life, yeah, yeah. and then, but there's a, you know. So uh, that was sort of what, but then it, now how do you look at horror? I mean, you, you clearly think about it. As a well, it's, there's so much of it that it's hard to just put it in a box, it's everywhere, you know. <laughs> I mean, how do I look at it? I try to find an angle that I can narrow it down enough to write a story about it. Uh-huh. I have to pick a slice, right? Right. Okay. I read history, you know. I mean, so history is horror, one side of it. Mm. Well, what, what do you call horror? Just... Well, okay, yeah, you're a fair I question. mean, there's the grotesque, there's the, uh, the tra you know, there's a lot of... I suppose I, it's just a sour grapes thing with me. I don't like the idea of dying. It seems to me horrible, you know. So for me, death and horror, I suppose, are the same thing, same problem. Uh -huh. And the circuitous paths to death, the interesting chunks of our lives, feelings and intentions that are drawn towards it, shape the individual horror story. So horror is probably the wrong word. I guess it's death. Yeah. I have a, a question. Yeah. Why are, why are the, the bones arranged by size? If you're in a crematorium, the bones are being dropped, basically where they belong. So why arrange them by size, the left hand, right hand, left foot, right foot, just put each one in a baggie? Well, I, I, I cut out some of that so it wasn't explained. Um, it's because this guy, the, the crematorium just wanted to make sure that 
he knew that they included all the bones, and he doesn't know about bones, and there's hundreds of bones in the body. So it was just a way that they had thought of to, uh, and they're not anatomist um, in the crematorium, so it was just a stupid way to. But it would take effort, is what I understand. Oh, I see. Well, actually, what happened, though, in the story, well, what really happened is that everything that held the bones together was burned away. So they don't actually drop where they sit. They kind of tump, and there's, the, and there's this, the force of the gas throwing. So they, they don't, it, it's not like a perfectly formed skeleton like that. They kind of collapse on each other and roll around a little bit, I think. I don't know. I didn't think, I didn't think. Okay, well, that's, that's a good point. I, I, I'll think that over a little bit. The main point was that they wanted to make sure that he knew that they had not left any out. Oh, you didn't hear that answer? <laughs> uh, my father recently died, and, uh, and I made a... A point of uh, actually going to see his body cremated, uh, and and it was quite a morning actually. But he was cremated. Well, you know what? They gave me the ashes. That's all I can say. You know, what do you know? You see the body go in. End of story. Five days later, you get a bag of ashes. They're actually not allowed to give you the ashes. They have to put them in a box or some kind of container. Well, that's they offered it, and they, and I did go, and that's actually why they 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 opened the box and they showed me that his name was on it and. Uh, and then they showed me, they put him in. Yeah, but I mean, how do you know? You still don't know. Hmm. Maybe there was some slate of hand involved. <laughs> but you know, that never, that never really worried me. I, I, I was not worried, and it never, never really occurred to me. Um, but it's just my my mind, I, I always ask, well, what if this? So that was, but I think the real genesis, and, and, and the other part of the genesis, of course, my dad dying was an important big event for me, but, uh, you know, death is a kind of big, big topic, and, and it's really scary, and, and, uh, an amazing, amazing, too, and, uh, so I was I just felt fortunate to that was maybe his last gift to me you know be fortunate to be able to follow him from the, when he did die through that and and scattering the ashes and everything Was he a doctor too? My dad was not a doctor. He was very squeamish. And, no. He was uh not that kind of guy. But I I think um 
but the, the part of my mind that, that is uh, medical also, uh, and this is constantly required when you're, when you're being a doctor, is that you, you see people and they're living, breathing things, people, and, uh, and you, you really, you feel what they're going through and you, and you, you connect that way and it's a very kind of uh, uh, living kind of present uh, experience and at the same time there's a very um, re removed experience and separate um, different experience because you're you're trying to understand what what they're really saying and what's really going on and what you're going to do and that um, that has that's not a uh, that's not an emotional um, connection that's a much much more intellectual collection and that's, I think, why people call my stuff horror, because I, I bring that to my writing, is that um, I have that, that, uh, that removed huh. point of view of these things. And I think many people don't, and that's, d that's upsetting and disturbing. Yeah. Huh. A little louder. Is that, please, can't hear? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, all the other stuff about the bones and the, the idea that we have bodies and the bodies reflect on the human, that's part of the human experience. And you find that particularly horrific, but it's pretty depressing. Like, you know, it's a word that is clicking noises in the throat. They're what? Oh. The clicking noises in the throats of the, of the two visitors. guys. Yeah. Your throat. <laughs> oh, oh, you mean in that the, noise that you made. All that <laughs> <fluting, laughs> noise. Okay, yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. I got to. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's the same, you know, well, he's going to have to do something with the bones, and, and it seems like more a very human quandary than maybe a little science fictional overtone as to why the bones didn't actually burn properly, but more this very, um, well, I'm going to have to find some way to dispose of them properly, which is her reaction. She was like, oh, my God, we have to do this? Yes, we have to do this. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. Well, uh, yeah, and I... I mean, everybody knows this is not new. We're, we, we're, we're quite removed from some of the ugly things, well, not the ugly, some of the, the, the disturbing things we have to do, sanitized, you know, and, and uh, you know, go back a few hundred years, and it w 
This wouldn't have been a horror story. This would have been, oh, gee, he has a kitchen? Wow, that's kind of cool. What's a kitchen, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because the, the, both of these stories, I mean, yours was about death. And it, you're right, it wasn't a grotesque re It was a little grotesque, but it was sort of about, but it was about death. And, and in a sense, yours was about life. It was about you only get to life through death. It was about this, this demiurge is seeking death. Well, he talked about the same. I mean, life. when I was listening to the beginning of yours, you were describing some of the same kind of very bodily, primitive, basic functions, eating and being eaten and right. excreting and things kind of oozing and gr growing yeah. out. You know, people don't, is that what's, is that's horror? I mean, that happens, we do that every day, like, right. you know? I mean, you know, and that's horrible. We don't want to look, you know? But to me, to me, that's fascinating, you know? And that's why I'm a doctor. I love that shit. I just, you know, it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me. I yeah, totally agree. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's but that's why life. that's why a lot of horror and and sometimes the most mundane involves uh, it's insectile or reptilian because that's somewhat, you know, yeah. we're somewhat our DNA is eight million uh, years to Earth. Did everyone know that movie? Uh -huh. What's that? Five million. Thank you. I knew someone. Amazing. If you haven't seen it, what is it? That the one with the guys with the huge heads. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. That was good. Isn't that Quartermain? Isn't that yeah, what? Quartermain. Yeah. Quatermass. 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 Why? What about? <laughs> oh, yeah. About bugs from Mars. It's about bugs. Oh, yeah. Our forebears. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> but it's mainly about the, you know, the, the London subways is kind of <laughs> where it all takes place. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, if anybody's got a question or two of our distinguished authors, we'll entertain them. Otherwise, let's uh, get them to sign some books. And uh, Let me remind you, if, if any of you are interested in the, oh, and this, this conclusion, sign up. And if you don't sign up, you won't find out. <laughs> Whatever. And we and have and Nick uh, next uh, month. Nick is here. Cool. Yeah. A little Christmas party slash film night uh, planned for December. So let's keep it tuned in. Here we start all over again. That's right. So uh, let's support Children of the World by drinking another beer. And, um, beer, beer. Thank you all. Thank you, guys. Thank Michael Shea.
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.